this episode of Community Matters Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss issues important to managing and governing condos, cooperatives, and homeowner associations. My name is Tony Campisi, Executive Director of the Keystone Chapter of Community Associations Institute. Most people probably don't associate remote and virtual staffing with community associations. But after the COVID-19 pandemic, is this becoming more of a thing for community associations? We'll talk about this topic with today's guest, Rob Buffington, president of Gordian Staffing, a CAI member business partner that provides businesses with affordable, high quality remote team members. Rob, welcome to Community Matters Podcast, and please tell our listeners a little bit about Gordian Staffing. Thanks, Tony. Well, Gordian Staffing was a completely accidental business. Uh, I owned my own HOA management company for almost eight years in California, and we hired remote staff ourselves at a time when we were struggling to hire domestically, and it worked wonderfully for us. And one day I was sitting with a friend of mine just comparing notes, and he said, oh, that sounds really cool. Could you help me do that? And so I helped him find somebody and then three somebodies. And then he told somebody who told somebody and completely accidentally Gordian was born. And now five years later, we have almost 300 employees and clients in 27 states through just placing remote employees with property management companies throughout the U.S. So that's an interesting story. So, so um, how, do, how do management companies, most organizations use remote staff and, and where do they start? COVID really pushed us forward five or 10 years in our adoption of remote staffing. Most people use them to start with in lower level positions, such as customer service reps, admin assistants, bookkeepers, AP and AR. But we've seen people use them for any position you can think of, ACAMs, maintenance coordinators, staff accountants, um, escrow and resale demands is very popular, or even just getting an, a personal assistant for the general manager of a larger community can be helpful. So pretty much anything that doesn't need a site visit, which thanks to COVID is a lot more than it used to be. That's true. COVID did advance a lot of things five or 10 years into the future. How do clients, or, or in this case, I guess homeowners, more importantly, react to remote staff? To be honest, I don't think most of them are even aware of it. Of course, it's up to the client what they want to say and how much they want to tell people. But most of the time, you're not talking to people face-to-face anyway. So what difference does it make if they're a little bit farther away? Numerous clients tell us, oh, yeah, we had a manager who moved out of state to go to Iowa or Atlanta or wherever, and they continued working. So we just took that concept and went a little farther. But even the ones who do notice, nobody seems to mind. Do you find most of, of your clients, do they are they disclosing that the staff is remote or, as you said, it's not really a big deal, I guess? Yeah, most of them don't, as far as I know. I know one or two choose to. Um but yeah, I mean, with, with modern technology, the internet is stable, you can make the calls, you can answer the emails. So it really doesn't, doesn't make a difference to most people. So few things rarely go as smoothly as we hope they will. So tell me 
what are some of the biggest difficulties that organizations have when they start using remote team members? Sure. I mean, it's absolutely an adjustment. I'm not going to pretend like it's a plug and play solution that doesn't require any work. It does require work, but as you come out the other side, you're stronger for it. They usually fall into a couple of categories. The first is the training is more difficult with remote staff. Most HOA management companies follow an apprenticeship model. Hey, it's your first week. You're going to follow me, ask questions as we go along. That doesn't work well with remote staff. You can have the Zoom window open. You can go through things together, but it needs to be more direct and more of a teaching uh, dynamic. And most people are not used to that, so they need to make an adjustment. The good news is that after you do that the first time, you begin to develop recorded videos and scripts and, and checklists so that it becomes easier and easier for both domestic and remote staff. So the training is one part of it. I would also say people rarely allocate the amount of time necessary for a new employee. And that's true of domestic and remote, but people call us saying, I'm drowning, I need help right away. And then they don't put aside the time to make it work. So that's, it's like a lot of software rollouts. You can buy Salesforce or SAP, but if you don't have somebody who's prepared to handle it and put in the time, you're going to end up frustrated. Um, so I would say those are probably the two biggest ones. So, and then- so I would, I would add the third would be what I call organization amplification. If you're disorganized and you bring on remote staff, you're going to get more disorganized. If you've got systems and you're an organized company and you bring on remote staff, they're going to take you to the next level. So don't bring on people and expect them to, if I hear this phrase, figure it out, huge red flag. But if you're ready to put in the work and you're ready to get organized, it'll, it'll change your life. It changed mine. So training and preparation are key. Absolutely. You got to put the work in. Right. Um, so from the employee perspective, how do employees feel about working remotely? And clearly this has obviously changed dramatically in the last few years. Um, is it a good opportunity are they, or is there a difference in the pay scale? Talk about that a bit. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the perk of working from home is just as big a perk, if not bigger in Mexico, particularly if you've seen Mexican traffic. Um, I, I hired somebody as a somebody working for us internally in our Mexico City office. And because she's in HR, she has to come into the office. And I said, well, how far away do you live from the office? And she said, oh, about 45 minutes. And I thought, oh, wow, we're never going to she's not going to want the job. But then she immediately said, but my current commute is two hours each way, so it's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously working remote is a big perk down there. In terms of the pay scale, one of the things that sets us apart is that we pay extremely well. We offer major and minor health insurance. They get benefits, food tickets, restaurant vouchers. There's an 8% employer match savings fund. They get a large Christmas bonus every December equal to one month's pay they're treated extremely well. And so even though it might cost a company in the US nine to $10 an hour, the standard of living that an employee in Mexico is gonna have is much, much better than somebody in the US making 15 to 18 an hour. And because there's a chance for advancement, because we help them with training and growth opportunities, it's considered to be a very popular place to work. And in the last, 18 months, I'd say we've really built up a reputation of treating people well. 
and we've seen more of our employee leads come from referrals than from LinkedIn and other pages like that, which I take as a great compliment. So let me ask you a related question. We're familiar, everybody's familiar with the tough, tight job market here in the United States. You know, people still can't find staff. Is that, is, is the use of remote staff and hiring people in other countries um, helping to alleviate that? Or I guess I should say, is, is it easier to, to find remote staff than it is to hire here in the United States, given the tight labor market? So yeah, two-part question. The first part is, is it hard to hire in Mexico? There's a lot of work, but we handle the work. So I wouldn't say that it's it's easier in Mexico. It is still a competitive market, but we do the screening. We review everybody. We negotiate the terms before presenting them to the client. So we take the work off of our client's plates. Um, there's no secret sauce. It's a lot of interviews. It's a lot of time. It's treating people well. It's having great staff internally. In regards to is it good for the people here? Absolutely, because two things happen. Number one, it frees up a lot of money in the budget to give the pay for domestic employees that they're looking for. So you can keep your good people and pay them what they deserve. It also provides a support network for your higher level people, such as your CAMs, so that they can feel supported and not have burnout. In my company, our retention rate went through the roof. We were struggling with turnover. We were struggling with um, training, with just keeping our sanity. But when we started to bring on remote staff, I couldn't afford to bring, give every manager an assistant at 50 or 60,000 a year in the Bay Area. Not that I could get people for 50 or 60,000. But when I was able to hire remote staff, I could bring on a dedicated admin assistant or a dedicated maintenance coordinator to follow up on all the RFPs to take that burden off of the camps. So it was a huge, bur- a huge relief to the domestic employees. Uh, And then obviously with the money I saved, I was able to pay better and put more money back into the company. So let's talk about the the impact on domestic employees. How do they feel when you you or or management company brings on remote staff and, and how do you address their concerns? The first thing I tell them is we're not in the chopping block business. I have never once gone to a company and said, I'm going to save you money, get rid of these three people and I'll replace them. That is not what we do at all. I also say, if you have somebody domestically that's willing to do the job, by all means, hire them, give them the chance. Most people don't come to me to save money. We are not in the money saving business. We are in the superior staffing business. So we're helping people stay afloat. Most people like the idea because they recognize they're going to be getting the help. They recognize that the business needs it. And again, by saying we're not trying to eliminate any jobs, we're not rejecting domestic employees, nobody wants to work here. So nobody wants to work, period. I shouldn't say nobody wants to work here. Um, so yeah, people, people seem to get it when you explain it like that. So you alluded this uh, to this a bit when we first started the discussion. Um, what positions can't be filled with remote staff? And what positions do you not recommend people to start with uh, in terms of remote staffing? As I said, I recommend starting, we call it building the pyramid. 
start with your lowest level employees, your customer service rep, your admin assistants, data entry, onboarding, things like that. Number one, it is the easiest to train these people. Whereas with an ACAM or a maintenance coordinator, you're going to need a lot of judgment that takes time. So with a customer service rep, one of our most popular positions to start with, I tell people, make a list of your 10 most common questions. Who's my manager? How do I reset my password for my portal? How do I get my governing docs? When's the next board meeting? The basic questions, teach them the top 10. And then every week, teach them a couple, two, three more questions. And by the end of a month, they'll be fielding 70%, 80% of your calls. And that's something that doesn't take a lot of training. Um, so it's good to start with those positions. We, we actually don't let people start with higher level positions like ACAM or staff accountant unless they've already worked with remote staff because it is an adjustment. And the higher the position, the more difficult it is to train and adjust. In terms of what positions can't be filled with remote staff, site inspector, handyman, porter, most CAM roles, 90% of CAM roles can't be filled. However, we are seeing more companies take all their financial uh, clients and take all their clients under 25 units, make new portfolios and hire a junior CAM or a remote CAM out of Mexico. And so we have about 15 or 16 fully remote CAMs. And some of our clients actually fly them up once or twice a year to see the properties and do a board meeting while they're there. Um, but this allows companies to offer services to smaller clients that would not have been profitable beforehand. So it really does work out as a win-win position. So this is a really interesting topic. And I guess final thoughts here. Um, is this, what, what kind of growth, you, you, again, you alluded to this when we, when we started the conversation. Um, what kind of growth have you seen? Are, are, <clears throat> are more and more management companies turning to remote staff? Absolutely. I, it, it, we're, in, we're in 26 or 27 states right now, and it has been night and day since COVID. Even the first six months of COVID, it was people still resisted. This is going to pass three weeks to flatten the curve. This is only temporary. And I remember what it was. It was, it was either the Delta or the Omicron variant. I forget which one it was. But that's when people really started to realize this is never going like we're never going back. And employees didn't want to come back to the office. So they started to talk to us. And again, it's not inferior staffing for an inferior price. I will put my workers on par or better with anybody you're going to hire in the States. They just happen to cost less because they've got great attitudes. They've got great experience. The English is flawless. They, they work very well with the U.S. organizations and they're grateful for the opportunity. So they don't have that entitled mentality that's really creeped into a lot of the American workforce. So it really does work well for everybody and zero question, this is here to stay. And what's going to happen is it's going to affect the price points as CAMs continue to want more and more in salary. This is the only option. People are either going to embrace this or they're going to be priced out of their market very quickly. Well, I agree with you. It's definitely here to stay. The, 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 uh, the pandemic and the challenges of the last two or three years have really ushered in changes that, that I think are never, you know, we're, we're never going back, as you said, to, to the way things used to be. Uh, maybe a little bit, but not, not in full. And, and uh, it's, you know, the world has changed forever. Um, this is a great discussion, good topic, something new, I think, that our members 
um, probably aren't necessarily thinking about. So this may this may um, uh, cause them to ask some more questions and, and examine this in a little more detail. So Rob, thank you uh, for providing this information for our listeners today. And uh, thank you for, for tuning in for more resources and best practices on managing and governing your condominium, cooperative or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit our website at www.caikeystone.org. Thanks for listening.